Good evening, everyone. This is Ben Shapiro, and you're watching The Ben Shapiro Show. Just kidding. No, I know. It's a suit. I, it's, I clean up. I'm telling you, I've done it before. Wait till I shave. It takes off a bunch of years as well. Uh, we just celebrated Olivia's birthday. This is not The Ben Shapiro Show. No, I did not have all of a sudden be able to grow facial hair and become a Gentile. Uh, I am actually not Ben Shapiro. I'm sorry to disappoint you. If you're looking for that, go three YouTube channels down the right, and I'm sure you will find Ben somewhere. His audience is magnificent. But alas, I am in a jacket and shirt. Why? Birthday, wife, dinner, avalanche game coming up, have to get a workout in. I don't have enough time to change. That's really what this comes down to. So welcome to the Don't Unfriend Me show. And not quite as large as Ben Shapiro, but we have a growing audience, and we are drinking milk. Welcome, everybody. Tonight is going to be an interesting evening. We're going to talk about a couple of things. But first of all, it's Friday, March 5th. It's Red Friday. Yes, I'm wearing red boxers. I'm always wearing red. I had my other Red Friday shirt on today, but it did, it clashed with my jacket, obviously. But uh, wearing red boxers, just in case you wanted to know. Red Friday, we wear red always for veterans on Friday. And let's, uh, it's 8.15. Did I say that? Friday, March 5th, episode 115. That really screwed me up doing the Ben Shapiro thing. Tonight, we're going to kind of piggyback off what we talked about last night. Now, last night was a little bit different. It was more about the whole reparations conversation and Democrats and the party of racism. Well, now we're going to talk, and I'm starting to chain some shows together, which is kind of cool because we're learning about different things that are somewhat the same playing field and somewhat the same topic. So tonight, we're going to continue to do that. And I think you're going to find the show to be rewarding. The reason why is because there's this new bill. It's called HR1. It sounds almost like a virus, but we've already gone through that. We don't need to go through it again. But this bill is kind of a virus, but I'm not going to tell you what I think just yet. We're going to walk through it together. And I'm going to tell you what the Republicans think. I'm going to tell you what the Democrats think. And then I'm going to tell you what I think. And that is what this show should be about. So, Let's do this. Let's get to our joke. And since we're talking about democracy, I think it's important to have a joke about democracy. So to dinner tonight, we went to this beautiful restaurant, gorgeous uh, Tuscan Mill in Leesburg. And it's just great food. It's, a, it's from an old mill, sawmill that's been around since Civil War era. It's just, it's just amazing. Anyway, good food, expensive, but good. And my kids were asking me how democracy works at the table, and they wanted to know. So I let them vote on dinner as a teaching exercise, and they have a kid's menu there, and they could either pick uh, pizza and other things to that effect, you know, chicken fingers or tacos. And they simply said, Dad, we want pizza. And I said, are you sure? Do we want to vote on that? And they said, absolutely. My son said pizza. My daughter said pizza. And I went ahead and ordered tacos because they don't live in a swing state. from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now that sounds expensive folks welcome to don't unfriend me Season two, Outside the Lines. Again, episode 115. No, this is not the Ben Shapiro show. Don't change the channel. We're going to talk about H.R. 1 tonight, and this is a bill that the Democrats are pushing, and they're calling it really an initiative for the people, the For the People Act. And it is anything but for the people, because once again, I have told you a billion and a half times, but before we get into it, I'll tell you one more is that it's always about three things, money, power, votes. And this is about all three, money, more power, and more votes. We'll talk about that in a few seconds. But first, my name is Slim Shady. No, it's Matthew Spear. I'm the, uh, the host of Don't Unfriend Me. I'm not the friend of Don't Unfriend Me, but I guess I could be a friend too. It all depends on your perspective. These are my handles. You can find me here, and you can also join me on Twitter. No, you can't, because I don't do Twitter. What the hell am I talking about? I don't like Twitter. Over here, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Those old programs that all those young whippersnappers use, I've got on them too, and damn, my hemis are killing me. 
Yeah, I'm old. I don't do Twitter. I'm sorry. But I am trying to uh, look at getting on Rumble for all of you people who love Rumble. So we have that to look forward to. Tonight, we are talking about HR1. And you've heard me talk about this in the past. And I've had these ideas of what the Democrats are trying to do. And what we've seen over the last few elections, certainly not with President Obama, but with Donald Trump, and then obviously this election, we've seen the Hispanic and black vote and Cuban vote move more towards the center and away from leftist ideals and principles. Now, why is this? Well, first of all, it's failed African-Americans for 75 years, and they're getting sick of it. People like Larry Elder and Candace Owens are preaching, and these are black conservatives and many other black conservatives, minority conservatives who are standing up and saying, no, this isn't true. This isn't accurate. Shows like mine, shows all over the country and a lot more popular than mine are saying the same thing and helping minorities understand that democratic policies have done them no good in the entire existence of that party and throughout American history. More importantly, they're willing to try something new. And although conservatism isn't necessarily the cat's meow for everyone, it does offer a few protections. And one of them that I hold most dear is the 10th Amendment, the reserve powers to the states. I think the states should run their own business, that it's not up to the federal government. The only time is that if something federally needs to happen is that if it's too big a scope for the state to handle. It's kind of like when the police show up. You can have the local police show up to handle a cat in the tree or possibly a domestic violence case or a small robbery. But if you walk into a quadruple homicide with suicide, you're probably going to call the state police or the FBI. The reason why is the local police is not equipped to handle that type of investigation. I consider the federal government to be about the same, and I don't want them in my state unless we can't handle the problem. For example, a major hurricane. Hence, we have people like FEMA to come in to provide first aid, shelter, water, financials, and all that other type of stuff. But that's a Republican belief. Democrats don't necessarily believe that. Democrats believe in big government. They believe that the federal government should run all the states, and we should be one union of no states, just one star. Everybody equal, all states equal, except for California and New York. The problem is, is that's a lofty dream, and they wouldn't be equal, and that's the problem with democratic policy, is that they focus on the amount of people that are in the cities and in the states, and those states get the most funding and the most love, but that's not necessarily what's needed. For example, California has a huge water crisis, but so do the farmers in the Midwest, And do those states matter, considering that they provide almost 40% of the ag for the United States? Shouldn't we go ahead and make sure that they have water too? But alas, that is the problem with Democrats, is that water gets purchased up by California because there are so many people there and there is so much buying power and they're the fourth largest economy in the world that they tend to get whatever they want and the farmers get stuck floating the bill as all the hotels get to wash their sheets four times a day and all of their towels is the exact same amount. The point being is that there is a balance with the Republicans that a lot of minorities are seeing and saying, this doesn't sound half bad. And they got to see some very positive results under Donald Trump, and they came out to, a, to vote for him, more than we've had since Reagan. Now, does that mean that this is a huge movement? No, but it's concerning the Democrats, and they should be concerned because they know what it's like to lose the minority vote, and it plagued them for 100 years. The problem with this is that if they lose enough of the minority vote, their dominance of suburban housewives goes away. Now, the only reason that Democrats gained the uneducated, which I hate that, but basically only high school diploma or below, lost those votes and also college-educated women is because of Donald Trump because they thought he was a sexist pig. They weren't too far off. The problem is he's not sexist. He just treats everyone like crap because that's just Donald Trump. He's a businessman. If you don't agree with him, he steamrolls you. Some people find that appealing. Some people don't, but predominantly women do not. The Democrats know that they are not going to have these constituents when it comes to the 2024 election. And the reason why they know that is because they haven't in the past. And they're not going to get it any better because there's really no candidates on the Democratic side who are going to blow wind up any girl's skirt or any woman's skirt, especially not Joe Biden. There is no Kennedy on the horizon, but there isn't any for the Republicans either. So they know they're going to lose the minority vote because this change is happening. Conservatism and minority conservatism is increasing in the cities, in the inner cities. 
and people like Candace Owens and Larry Elder, et cetera, et cetera, and even people who are also Jewish Americans like Ben Shapiro are making an impact on minorities. And if they lose the minority vote, they lose their edge because Democratic turnout is never the best unless it's mail-in ballot from home that they're being sent ballots that they didn't even ask for, but that's not important right now. What's important is, is that Democrats hardly turn out. They do great in the primaries, but when it comes to the general election, they are not the best. This time they did well because of mail-in ballots and the amount of ballots that showed up and so did Republicans. But in the end, it was a hell of a lot easier to get those amount of ballots into the hands of the people in the inner cities and the people who are normally disenfranchised with voting to fill it out because of Donald Trump. You have to give the Democrats credit. Do you call it cheating? That's a whole nother conversation. And you know, I already have. We're not going to do that tonight either. The point I'm trying to make is if they lose the minority vote, where are they going to make it up? And I have been saying this for six months. They're going to make it up in 16 year olds and they're going to make it up in felons. Well, guess what? The chickens come home to roost and daddy is right yet again. And here we are with HR1. Old Nancy Pelosi and her shifty, shift, shifty. Pull this over the American people's eyes. And we're going to talk about it right now. House Democrats just passed a sweeping bill called HR1, also known as the For the People Act. The nearly 800-page bill contains all types of legislation. I have read the condensed version, about 52 pages, and let me tell you, I want to scratch my eyes out with a, with a back scratcher. That wouldn't hurt as bad. With a spoon. That would hurt more. All types of legislation involving federal election laws, voter eligibility, social media, and many more provisions. Here's what's actually in the For the People Act. Automatic voter registration for 16-year-olds. HR1 requires states to set up a system to automatically register every eligible citizen to vote, even a person who is under 18. Now, this is a very Republican point of view. I want to know. This is more of the Republican. And then I'm going to do the Democrat at the end. In the middle, I'm going to show you Kevin McCarthy's rebuttal to this, which you might find interesting. But this is more of the Republican's point of view. We'll go over Democrats in a minute. According to the bill, a state may not refuse to treat an individual as an eligible individual on the grounds that the individual is less than 18 years of age. So as long as the individual is at least 16 years of age at such time, although the bill does not require states to allow 16 and 17-year-olds to vote in the elections, the states must automatically register them, which would make them obviously ready to vote in the next election. Democrats and one Republican voted to lower voting age to 16, ending voter ID requirements. Voters would no longer be required to show an ID when voting under H.R. 1. States also cannot require identification for obtaining an absentee ballot or casting a mail-in ballot, including notary stamps or witness signatures, such are safeguards currently in place. This provision would indeed change laws in the 36 states which require or request some form of identification at the polls legalizing ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting, a practice where a third party collects ballots for voters and delivers them to an eligible drop-off location, would be legalized if H.R. 1 is signed into law. Harvesters, some of whom are paid, would be allowed to collect and distribute as many ballots as they want without limitations. Critics of ballots harvesting have argued that the practice allows for a third party to have an opportunity to tamper with the ballots before they are dropped off. This allows the Justice Department to demand the removal of social media posts as well. The Foreign Agent Disclaimer Enhancement Fade Act, which was added as an amendment to H.R. 1 Wednesday night, allows the Attorney General to force social media companies to remove posts by foreign agents. How do we define foreign agents? Is it somebody behind a firewall? Is that what it is? What if they're using a VPN? There are so many ways to say that this is a foreign entity. What happens if it's a new account holder? What if it's somebody who wants anonymity and has multiple accounts? There are so many holes in this where the American voice can still be censored. And all that does is empower social media to do exactly what they've been doing through this election and the previous. In order to avoid removal, the post must be properly identified as coming from a foreign source. The amendment says... 
given felons on the right to vote as well. People who have been convicted of a felony will have a right to vote after they have served their sentence. Felons who are currently serving time still cannot vote. Redistricting conducted through an independent commission, congressional redistricting, must be done through a state's independent redistricting commission. The commission is required to meet certain criteria in the map drawing process, including minimizing the division of communications of interest and a ban on drawing maps to favor a political party. Membership on the commission must be bipartisan. Mm. Clean and fair elections. This is how it starts with the Democrats. I want to show you Kevin McCarthy before I get into the Democrat pitch, because honestly, I've read the bill and there are some very good things presented by the Democrats. I'm not going to lie. But all of the things that the Republicans just stated are true. And all of the things that the Democrats stated, the Republicans aren't talking about, because let's face it, there always is a give and take. So let's watch Kevin McCarthy. We'll do this real quick. I'll be right back. And then we can talk a little bit about the Democrats' point of view. This week, Democrats are pushing partisan legislation that will change how we conduct elections and how we can speak. It's Nancy Pelosi's number one priority. In fact, the legislation is called H.R. 1. Now, here's what it would do. First, H.R. 1 sends public dollars to fund political campaigns, not to build roads or bridges, but to add 600% to every small dollar donated by Americans. So let's say Mary from Michigan donates $200 to a preferred candidate. Well, now you have just chipped in another 1,200 bucks. Second, HR1 would legalize voting for convicted felons all over the country, even if they were convicted of election fraud. Does that make sense to you? Not only is this dangerous, it's unconstitutional. Now third, H.R. 1 would weaken the security of our elections and make it harder to protect against voter fraud. Here's how. It would automatically register voters from DMV databases. Voting is a right, not a mandate. In most cases, this legislation would actually prevent officials from removing ineligible voters from the rolls and would make it much more difficult to verify the accuracy of voter information. So future voters might be underage, dead, or illegal immigrants, or maybe even registered one, two, or three times. Democrats just don't care. Democrats call H.R. 1 the For the People Act, but it really is a For the Politicians Act. Is not designed to protect your vote. It's designed to put a thumb on the scale of every election in America and keep the swamp swampy. Keep the swamp swampy. What a great saying. God, Kevin McCarthy. Listen, I want that leather desk pad that does the graphics. I, I swear I would never, ever need to edit my videos. What a fantastic thing. I love the sound effects, too. It sounded like, like a 19, like Joust. You guys remember the Joust game where you get the egg and... You're on the ostriches now? Nobody's that old? Whatever, fine. I don't want to hear it. Once again, I, I think there's one thing I want to talk about. It's felons. I believe people can rehab. I believe people can rehabilitate. I think people can make horrible mistakes in the world and then somehow find a way to make up for them by going through rehabilitation, getting counseling, and so many other things. I, I don't think we need to ban people for the rest of their life from having an opinion, but I want to be really clear here, is that there's some things that can happen, like election fraud, or election tampering, or using intimidation tactics, or campaign campaign finance, but also extortion, embezzlement. There are too many things where criminals can actually use their right to vote, and their right to have a gun, or their right not to be flagged on an application that can do harm to others. And although we understand that we want everyone to rehabilitate, I think that's fine. And if we want them to vote again, that's okay with me. Where I have a problem is that there has to be something punitive. And if we constantly leave people in jail for years upon years, and it doesn't dissuade them, or they're on death row for a better part of their life until they get sustained or it gets appealed and they have leniency. And if we're constantly going to let people out because jails are overcrowded, we need deterrence, folks. And 
I'll tell you, I always think when I'm going to do something stupid, like punch somebody or just ram into them with my car because I'm concealed carry. And if I use that and I provoke a fight, I'm going to go to prison. I'm going to lose my right to carry. I'm going to lose my right to vote and I'm going to lose my freedom. And that right there keeps me in line. And then a lot of criminals don't care about that. And because they don't care about that, they do horrible things. And I'm sorry, there needs to be consequences. So yes, although I agree that people can be rehabbed in society, they deserve to work and have a job. I do not agree with giving felons firearms and allowing them to vote ever again, ever. And that unfortunately is the way that I feel, whether you like that or not. Democrats realize that that is a very large constituency of Americans who will more than likely vote against Republicans. Why? Because most of the people in prison, and don't come after me, watch some of my other episodes, this isn't a racist comment, predominantly most of the crime in the U.S. is balanced in favor of minorities and whites, and there are a lot less minorities in the United States than whites. However, the crime ratio is about 50-50. And I've proven this on another show. That is a lot more minorities in prison than whites based on population. And I already proved last night that most minorities in the states vote Democrat. So it is a huge boost to Democrats. And yes, Republican criminals would also be able to vote, but the ratio to proportion does not benefit Republicans. Therefore, they don't want that to happen. Just like we don't want illegals coming in because it hurts the Republicans. Makes sense? Everyone understand? Good. And that's why we want voter registration, because it hurts the Democrats and helps Republicans. This is all about money, power, votes. In either party, it's the same shit, different pile. Republicrats and Democrats, they are the same. There's no difference. The Democrats are saying clean and fair elections improve access, H.R. 1, and expands access to the ballot box by taking aim at institutional barriers to voting. This is the Democratic point of view, including cumbersome voter registration systems. I'm going to disagree. It is not cumbersome to register to vote. It is if you're not, an, if you're not legal. Disenfranchisement and limited voting hours. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm trying not to make fun of it. HR1 will create automatic voter registration across the country, ensure that individuals who have completed felony sentences have their full voting rights restored, expand early voting, and enhance absentee voting, simplify voting by mail, reduce long lines and wait times for voters, and modernize America's voting system. Here's the thing. Voting is not a right. It's not a right. It's not given to every single person. There are age requirements. There are check-the-box type things that you have to do. You have to live in a state for a period of time. You can't vote in multiple states. You can't have a felony of a certain class on your record. You can't go ahead and do election fraud and then go ahead and assume that you're going to be able to vote tomorrow. You have to be an American citizen. There's rules. You have to have a driver's license in some states. And all of these rules are subjective to the 10th Amendment. This isn't high school prom. This is to vote for the people who are going to run the country. You should and have to be an upstanding citizen of voting age and to have some understanding. And with all respect to my 18-year-old listeners, you couldn't find your ass with two hands and a flashlight. I don't want you voting. You don't take any and participate in any of this. And all you do is vote and you go and listen to a celebrity or you listen to Green Day and go, yeah, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And look what's happened now. I'm sorry. I want an educated American in the ballot box. I want people who understand the current climate. I want a person who understands economics and geopolitical situations, the world climate, the financial stock market, the social implications of making bad decisions national defense, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And I'm sorry, an 18-year-old fresh out of high school who doesn't even understand how to start a load of laundry or find a job that pays anything more than $12 an hour, yes, you're going to need some time to bake a little bit. Let's put them back in the oven. They're not ready. And they're certainly not ready at 16 years old. Do you remember what you were like at 16? Could you make the decisions that we have to make every day? 
I think not. Promote integrity, the Democrats say. H.R. 1 commits Congress to build the record necessary restore necessary to restore the Voting Rights Act as embodied by the House passed in H.R. 4. It also commits Congress to deliver full congressional voting rights and self-government for the residents of the District of Columbia, which only statehoods can provide. Prohibits voter roll purges like those seen in Ohio and Georgia and elsewhere and ends partisan gerrymandering to prevent politicians from picking their voters. It ensures security. H.R. 1 ensures that American elections are decided by American voters without interference. Wait a second. I thought there was no election interference. What are they talking about? Oh, Russia, where not one vote was actually changed. Folks, I can't read this crap. I am a Republican. And, and you know what? I've realized I'm, I'm skewed to the right. I, I am going to be a righty for a while until the left wakes the hell up and gets this socialist progressive crap out of their politics and become centrist again. And when they do, I will vote for them. Here's this. I'm going to make a statement. That's probably the worst thing I've ever said, period, ever, period. Hillary Clinton would be a breath of fresh air as president. Holy, what did I just do? What just happened? I couldn't stand listening to her and I would turn off the TV for four years But honestly, at least you know what you're going to get. She's a progressive who's going to go to war. But she's not doing this crazy stuff. She wouldn't. She doesn't agree with this stuff. You can say all you want about Bill Clinton. He wasn't a horrible president. He killed our military and he put people in body bags because of his bad decisions. That's why I don't like Bill Clinton. But overall, economy, he was good. World affairs, he was fine. His criminal bills were the toughest that we've seen and probably more Republican than most Republicans. And even Republicans are like, wow, dude, that's serious. Three strikes rule? Whoa. Hillary Clinton would be a breath of fresh air. The stuff that's coming now is pushed by progressives and the far left. Hillary Clinton is not a progressive far left. She's a progressive, but she has centrist leanings and she's a war hawk. She's also annoying as hell, and I despise the woman, and I would never want her as president. But after what we're seeing now, Bill Clinton ain't looking so bad. I know. Slap me. I, I must be dreaming. Wake me in December. Little, Isn't it December? Did we talk about this already? It's make, wake me in November. Gosh darn it. Green Day song. Someone tell me. This supports for voting system security, particularly with paper ballots and also by increasing oversight of election system vendors and by requiring the development of a national strategy to protect U.S. democratic institutions. And the dominance of big money in politics. Guarantee Disclosure HR1 shines light on dark money in politics by upgrading online political ad disclosure and requiring all organizations involved in the political activity to disclose their large donors. HR1 also breaks the so-called nesting doll sham that allows big money contributors and special interests to hide the true funding source of their political spending. Empower citizens. HR1 strengthens the political power of hardworking Americans by creating a multiple matching system for small donations. This innovative 21st century system, <laughs> I love this. They're selling it to you. This is, I've been a salesman my whole life. This is a sales tactic. The 21st century system of citizen-owned elections will break the stranglehold of special interests on Congress and lay the groundwork for an agenda that meets the needs of the American people. The voluntary multiple matching system will be completely paid for by a new surcharge on corporate lawbreakers and wealthy tax cheats. That way, the individuals and corporations who break the public trust, like Wells Fargo, which created fake bank accounts for unwittingly unwitting customers, or Volkswagen, which lied about harmful carbon emissions from its vehicles, or Facebook, which violates Americans' privacy, or Purdue Pharma, which uh, fueled the opioid crisis, bear the cost of building a more just and equitable democracy by giving more money to the politicians during their race. Oh, Thank you for putting a bow on that. Thank you. Hark, Harold, the angels sing. Thank you so much. Gosh, I feel better. HR1 also cures cancer and gives everyone a BJ if you want one. HR1 also reaffirms Congress authority to regulate money in politics, pushing back on the Supreme Court's wrong-headed Citizens United decision. Disagree. Strength and oversight. HR1 ensures that there are cops on the campaign finance beat that will enforce the laws. Uh, you see, Mickey here is going to go ahead and be at the election. See? He's sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> campaign beat cops. What the hell? What is this, prohibition? 
HR1 tightens rules on super PACs and restructures the Federal Election Commission to break the gridlock and enhance its enforcement mechanisms. It also repeals Mitch McConnell's riders that prevent government agencies from requiring common sense disclosure of political spending. Lastly, ensure public servants work for the public interest. H.R. 1 breaks the influence economy in Washington and increases accountability by expanding conflict of interest law and divestment requirements. Slowing the revolving door, preventing members of Congress from serving on corporate boards and requiring presidents to disclose their tax returns. Everything else that precluded that is bullshit. The only thing that they want is presidents to disclose their tax returns. Everything else was fluff. Impose greater ethics enforcement of H.R. 1. Gives teeth to the federal ethics oversight. The Office of Government Ethics closing loopholes for lobbyists and foreign agents. Ensuring watchdogs have sufficient resources to enforce the law. And creating a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. Voting rights. The bill will require states to offer the same-day voter recession for federal elections. And this is the truth. And this is going to take a bit of time. I'm sorry. But I'm going to walk through my assessment of what you've heard both sides. Republicans are saying completely diff, something different than what the Democrats are saying, as we always know. Democrats are really stretching the truth on this thing, but that's okay. I'm going to prove it to you by telling you exactly what the bill says and you decide. Now, don't come on my show and post in the comments because I read something that you disagree with from the Democrats or Republican side and tell me that I'm wrong. I'm not picking sides. Now I'm going to pick sides. So if you're going to come at me, come at me, bro, after I read this. The bill would require states to offer offer same-day voter registration for federal elections and to permit voters to make changes to their registration at the polls. It would require states to hold early voting for at least 15 days and would establish automatic voter registration for individuals to be eligible to vote in elections for federal office in the state. That day, under the automatic voter registration provision, eligible citizens who provide information to state agencies, including State Department of Motor Vehicles or public universities, breeding ground for liberals, would be automatically registered to vote unless they opt out of doing so. The bill would also expand opportunities to vote by mail. That's the trick and would make Election Day a federal holiday. The bill would require states to offer online voter registration, which has already been adopted in 39 states in the District of Columbia. Under the bill, states would be required to establish a system to allow applications to be electronically completed, submitted, and received by election officials, and to allow registered voters to electronically update their voter registration information. The bill would make it a criminal offense to corrupt, hinder, interfere with, or prevent another person from registering to vote, would establish criminal penalties for such conduct, and would instruct the EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, to adopt recommendations for states on the prevention of interference with voter registration. The bill would also also authorize 16- and 17-year-olds to pre-register to vote in advance of them becoming 18. Now, This can simply be used for the two-year elections and the primaries. The reason why they want to do this is so the Democrats have the ability to see up and coming and they can go ahead and predict, based upon voting records of mom and dad, what these kids will do. It is simply like hedging your bets on a 12-year-old quarterback in Pop Warner who's about to enter high school, but he also ran for 4,700 yards and threw 87 touchdowns with two picks it's probably a good chance he's going to be a great player if he stays healthy. So you want the scouting report. That's what this is about. It's a scouting report. A proposal by Representative Ayanye Presley to amend the bill to actually allow 16-year-olds to vote did not succeed. The bill would also prohibit the practice of voter caging and restrict the practicing of voter roll purges by limiting states' efforts to remove registered voters from the rolls and setting conditions for when they could do so. Specifically, the bill would require states to obtain certain information before removing voters from the rolls and would prohibit voter purges from taking place less than six months before an election. The bill would also require election officials to timely notify any voter tagged for removal from the rolls and give them an opportunity to contest the removal or seek reinstatement of their registration. 
The bill would also restore voting rights to felons who complete prison terms. The bill contains various provisions to promote voting access for individuals with disabilities, as well as for absent military and overseas voters. And to be clear, felons in prison do not qualify. You must be released and considered a valuable member of society yet once again. It would also create a congressional task force on voting rights in American territories. Listen to that specifically. American territories, U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico. Democrats want to make those states. And if you loosen up the voting laws there, it's one step closer to being states. Remember that. If they want to be states, I don't care. Fine, put 52 stars on the flag. But it's not considered a state, just like Washington, D.C. So take those two stars away and leave it 50. They don't get to become states. Just like Washington, D.C. should never become a state. The moment you make it a state, if you think that Washington, D.C. is recession-proof, which it already is, it absolutely is. Home prices went up during COVID. Everything went up during COVID, and money didn't stop coming into the Washington state's area, Washington, D.C. and surrounding states area. It's recession-proof. It's always been recession-proof because that's where the money is. Give it statehood and watch what happens. No state will ever get a fair shake again. And trust me, New York and California will eat their own. D.C. is a pocket inside the United States with hardly the population to have the weight that it already has. You give it statehood, good night, sister. Corruption through the roof, even more than it already is. Election security. The bill contains election security provisions, and the Democrats and Republicans both talked about, and I'm going to split the difference here and tell you the truth, including a voter-verified paper ballot provision mandating the use of paper ballots that can be marked by voters either by hand or with a ballot marking device and inspected by the voter to allow any errors to be corrected before the ballot is cast. The bill would also require state officials to preserve paper ballots for recount or audits and to conduct a hand count of ballots for recounts and audits. Good. The bill will require the voting machines used in all federal elections to be manufactured in the U.S. Good. Campaign finance reform. The bill would introduce voluntary public financing for campaigns, matching small donations at six to one ratio. No, you don't need it. You want to run for office? Use your own damn money. The money would come from a new freedom from influence fund under the U.S. Treasury, which would collect funds by charging a small fee assessed on criminal and civil fines and penalties or settlements with banks and corporations that commit corporate malfeasance. No. No. Let the civil courts handle that and punish these corporations and give it to the people who they screwed over, not the politicians, not a more slush fund account for elections. We already have campaign financing through taxes. No. Horrible idea. See, there's great things in this bill and there's shit in this bill. And that's why the Republicans are flipping out, but that's also why the Democrats are trying to cover it up. It also incorporates campaign finance reform provisions from the Disclose Act, which would impose stricter limitations on foreign lobbying, require super PACs and other dark money organizations to disclose their donors and restructure the Federal Election Commission to reduce partisan gridlock. The bill expresses support for a constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United. No in which the Supreme Court held that limits on independent political expenditures by corporations, labor unions, and other associations are unconstitutional. Because they are. Corporations deserve some rights and need to be protected from targeting. But it's not unlimited. We have to take a look at it. But banning that completely and leaving corporations exposed, if we didn't learn what that did to Gateway, if we didn't learn what that did to Dell and IBM, and compact. And that's just not the tech companies. We can go into soda manufacturers. We can go into Microsoft and Apple. We can go into a ton of different companies. When we stop protecting corporations, which we should protect corporations because they employ so many, and the NASDAQ is loaded with America's stock market, drives our economy. And if you tank a company like Apple or a major airline or a bank, it will absolutely cripple the world's economy. And we need to understand that. Now, that doesn't mean they get carte blanche to do whatever they want, but we need to make sure that they are protected from non-corporate malfeasance and other corporate and corporate espionage. If you think that companies don't play grab ass against each other, plant moles, steal ideas, Take IP, tank stock, create false rumors. Those things happen. 
Corporations have rights. They don't have human rights. Ethics. The bill would require the president and vice president, as well as presidential and vice presidential candidates, to publicly disclose their previous 10 years of income tax returns. This bill would also eliminate the use of taxpayer money by members of Congress to settle employment discrimination claims by requiring members of Congress to reimburse the Treasury for any such payments. Another part of the bill would require the Judicial Conference to establish rules of ethics binding on the Supreme Court of the United States. The only court in the U.S. without a binding canon of judicial ethics. No. That is because they are not above the law. They are the law. You're not putting bindings on the Supreme Court. They get to act with their conscience. You cannot impose on the Supreme Court, just like you don't get to impose your will on the president. You want to impose your will on the president? Impeach him, remove him from office, or vote him out. Period. That's why we don't hold criminal charges against the president until he or she is out of office. And we don't do civil suits against the president until the latter is also completed. Same with the FBI. You have to give people protection for the decisions that they make without fear of retribution or harm coming to them or their families from a legal means or physical or financial means. This is just more of the Democrats realizing that over the next 30 years, the only thing that they will lose if they pass all of this legislation and somehow it makes it through, which I will be shocked by, is that they know the Supreme Court stands in their way from making this unconstitutional, which it most assuredly is. And they want power over the Supreme Court, and this is how you get it. The legislation would also set new disclosure rules and limitations on presidential inaugural committees. Inaugural committees would be barred from taking money from corporations. A contribution limit to inaugural committees of $50,000 per person would be imposed. Under current law, there is no limit. Contributions of more than 1000 would have to be disclosed within one day, and the use of funds donated to inaugural committees would be restricted only to use for inaugural events and for charitable contributions. Statehood of the District of Columbia, the 2019 version of H.R. 1, made findings in the support of admitting support of admitting the District of Columbia, which nobody's talking about. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like, what? Swept under the rug? This is probably the biggest thing on this bill. Admitting the District of Columbia as a state, affirming Congress's power under the constitutional article for to create, excuse me, five, to create a new state in the populated area that is now D.C., while retaining a separate federal district compromising the Capitol Complex, White House, National Mall, and certain other federal areas. In June 2020, the House approved H.R. 51, a separate piece of legislation that would make the populated portion of the district a state. On a nearly party-line vote, that measure was not taken up in the Republican-controlled Senate. So how about this? How about don't you don't give it its own state? How about you absorb it into Maryland and Virginia? And then you leave the Capitol Center and the National Mall and all the judicial buildings as Washington, D.C., and simply expand into Maryland and Virginia and give it there. Why not? Because they want the electoral votes, and they want the congressional seats and the state seats. That's why. Because Washington, D.C. is about as liberal as they come. You can't find any red from anywhere past the Virginia-Fairfax border and going north into Maryland, there is no red. It is all most assuredly blue Democrat, and that is the problem, and it's expanding like locusts. And that is why Virginia turned blue. And that is why Maryland will be blue for the rest of its life. And that's why it's creeping into other states. And West Virginia literally wants to put the National Guard on the border and say no more. And so do most of the counties in Virginia. This bill alone would not admit Washington, D.C. as a state. It just affirms Congress' authority to do so, which is saying the same thing. Because what are they going to do, get it vetoed by the frickin' president? You think the Supreme Court's going to say anything about this? No, it's going to get pushed through. There's too much money behind it. Gerrymandering. The bill would thwart gerrymandering by requiring states to use independent commissions to draw congressional district lines, essentially the federal government, except in the seven states with only one congressional district. Partisan gerrymandering, creating a map that unduly favors or disfavors one political party over another, would be prohibited. The legislation would require each commission to have 15 members, five Democrats, five Republicans, and five independents, and would require proposed maps to achieve a majority vote to be accepted, with at least one vote in support from a Democrat 
and a Republican and an independent. The bill would require the commissions to draw congressional district lines on a five-part criterion. Number one, population equality. Two, compliance with the Voting Rights Act. Three, compliance with additional racial requirements. No retrogression in or dilution of minorities' electoral influence, including in coalition with other voters. Four, respect for political subdivisions and communities of interest. And five, no undue advantage for any party. Number of federal election commissioners. Under current law, the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, has six members, no more than three of whom can be members of the same political party. With at least four votes required for any official FEC action, the complaint is that this has resulted in an impotent and gridlocked FEC. I happen to agree. With important reforms left unaddressed, such as the updating of campaign finance law for the digital age and effective regulation of political donations. Some advocates for reform have blamed the Republican FEC and members of the unwillingness either to investigate any potential violations or to impose tougher restrictions, and for loosening restrictions simply by signaling what standards they are willing to enforce. The proposed bill would give the FEC five commissioners instead of six, reducing the likelihood of tie votes, and require that no more than two can be members of the same political party. It would set up a blue-ribbon advisory panel, consisting of an odd number of individuals selected by the president from retired federal judges, former law enforcement officials, or people with experience in the election law, except anyone who holds any public office at the time of selection. But the president would not be required to choose from among those recommended by the panel. Some observers claim that there would be no built-in benefit for either party. The bill now goes to the Senate, and this is in conclusion, where the 50-50 party split means anything can happen, with the one-vote tie going to Kamala Harris and essentially guaranteed the uh, Democrats. In the meantime, 20 Republican state attorney generals have sent a letter to congressional leaders stating that H.R. 1 violates the Elections Clause of Article 1 of the Constitution, which it most assuredly does, and the Electors Clause of Article 2, concluding it is difficult to imagine a legislative proposal more threatening, threatening more threatening to election integrity and voter confidence. Democrats have repeatedly stated that the 2020 elections were the safest in history. If they truly believe that... They would have welcomed Republican input on election reform and allowed vigorous debate on the House floor. Instead, they have confirmed their fear of free and open elections and are using their majority status to neutralize states' rights and disenfranchise millions of American voters. Moreover, the biggest problem I have with that, I started in the beginning of this conversation. My comment was, The Tenth Amendment of the United States reserves the powers to the states. Now listen, all of us are upset and bitter over 2020. We need to move on. But we're all frustrated. We're all upset. A lot of people still think that Donald Trump's going to come back and be president this term. No. But I'm upset too. I think the election was taken from him. And I said it. And not the way you think. And it wasn't because of duplicate votes and stupid systems that in the middle of the night were being reprogrammed and Dominion servers and... Chavez and South America and George Soros. No, no. I've already said it a billion times. I'll say it one more time. It's when they held an election that wasn't constitutionally sound by soliciting ballots for American voters who were unregistered. It's unacceptable. You don't get to send out ballots to people who have not registered. You don't get to solicit votes, and it's illegal. And yes, Republicans benefited from this too, but not as much as Democrats, because the ratio to proportion of votes by mail-in leans much more in favor of Democrats than it does Republicans, and we saw that in this election. But the Tenth Amendment is where we failed as a people, is we gave the states the power to change our election process, and the state legislatures did not do this. It was actually the court systems, and these court systems were predominantly liberal and Democratic judges, which happened to be in six of the major swing states. And this is ultimately where Donald Trump lost the election. Those six swing states did not match the rest of the United States, and the voting districts and the counties did not match. And some of them were actually voting 9-1 to in favor of Joe Biden, and we didn't see that replicated anywhere else than the most important counties in those six swing states. That is not fraud. 
that is just absolutely stacking the deck and sending out so many ballots to people who had no intention of voting who did because it was in their box or collecting those ballots and submitting them anyway, which is a form of fraud, is most assuredly what will happen. We'll probably never know, and they'll never talk about it, because the illusion and the sanctity of our voting is the only thing that keeps our country from together and having both sides storming capitals. It comes down to this. The Tenth Amendment is the most important that we have. It reserves the powers to the states, no matter how misguided some of our states are, Virginia, We still want the states making the decisions, and we want the federal government out of our decisions. This bill is overreaching and puts our elections 100% in control of the federal government. And once we do that, they will have ultimate power of who gets in, how long they stay, and if they ever get out. And if you're trusting the people who put us $30 trillion in debt and has passed no legislation that's for the good of the people, and only pay politics for money, power, and votes, then folks, you are a lot more than left without a country. You are horribly naive. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. HR1 is a bad idea. There are some good parts, and I would recommend that they sit at the table, have the debate, talk like this, and come up with better solutions. Let me know what you think. You've heard both sides of the story. You've heard my opinion down the middle. I gave you the straight facts. Tell me what you think. Do we pass HR1? Do we run away from it as fast as we can? Is it the plague or is it the great white hope? Great white hope, whatever. Do we use the word different? Great Blanca? What is it? Great, I saw that. Do you guys see that Wonder Bread meme that was on my site? It was pretty classic. Privilege loaf? Is it the great white privilege loaf? I don't know. Folks, thank you for stopping by. You can like and share my page right over here. If you enjoyed what you heard tonight, you want to hear it again, like, shares, and follows help. We are that close to 10,000 followers. Every one of your likes on every video, it helps. Every share, it just takes a second. If you watch my stuff, if you come by every day, if you like it, please let me know. But every time you do that, it can get to 10 other people. And then we have a movement. We're growing super fast. So I'm going to keep asking you every time, like, share, and subscribe. I am going to end the show like I always do, and we're going to focus on the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Perhaps the most important thing on the show tonight, 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is way too many. I need your help. Please reach out to veterans. If you can't, call me. I will help you with that conversation, and we'll make that phone call together. If that doesn't work, go to don'tunfriendme.com, click on the VCL link, and you'll be connected through Skype to a Veteran Crisis Line advisor. And if you are a civilian, that is also A-OK, too. They will help you, and they will not turn you away. Traumatic brain injury and suicide, PTS and anxiety and depression are very real. Help our veterans today by making that phone call. Folks, thank you so much. I am out. I've got to cut this darn thing and get it posted. 52 minutes. Surprising it was going to be this long, but I hope you learned something tonight. I hope you had a good time, and I'll see you tomorrow, probably for a five for fighting or something short like that. Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com slash still point